0: this is the say the damn score podcast with your host logan
1: anderson and hello everybody as you just heard the big voice guy say i am logan anderson your host of the say the damn score podcast after almost a one-year hiatus Back with episode 136 of this podcast about sportscasting, where I talk to uh, some of the biggest and brightest sportscasting minds in the broadcast industry. As I said, you know we have been off for almost a year. Our last episode came out on February 23rd. Just about 11 months, not quite on the dot, about a week short. But it's been a while, and to those of you who have listened to this for a long time... I'm sure you understand why uh, we went through a lot of personal challenges that went beyond COVID in, in this household, me and my wife, from the passing away of our child to trying to build a sports casting business during COVID when everything was being shut down and everything kind of together became too much. I had to set this podcast aside a little while for, uh, if nothing else, my mental health. And to just find some time to put towards other things. But now we're back. I'm in a good place. And I am really excited to bring this podcast back and to talk to more sportscasters and get more stories from different people in the business around the nation and beyond. We've had some some Canadians on as well. So not just a U.S. podcast. This episode is going to be with rob hip he is the voice of sam houston state also a little bit of a sportscasting entrepreneur he's done some things with streaming he owned his own small business in it before he got into sportscasting he has a really good story but because this was recorded on february 24th 2021 again almost a year ago uh, some of the things are Not necessarily outdated, but old news, but uh, I thought the conversation was good enough that for my first episode back, I think it was only appropriate that Rob, who's been waiting, again, almost a year for his interview to come out, uh, finally gets a little bit of shine, Uh, one of the good dudes in broadcasting, and I appreciate him showing patience with me as I got everything together. Before finally releasing this recording, I'm going to have a solo episode as my next episode where I go more in depth as to everything that has happened over the last year in our lives and a lot of how it's changed me. How we've done a, both me and Sarah have done a lot of soul searching uh, to figure out what's important and what about sports casting that i love and what i want to pursue in the future but for the first episode back we're just going to do an old school interview and with an excellent broadcaster and an excellent guy rob hip from texas the voice of sam houston state Welcome to the show. Rob Hip, the sports director and sales rep at KSAM in Huntsville, Texas, voice of Division One, Sam Houston State, also owns his own online radio station, helps other people start online radio stations, is the co-founder and director of SHN, which is a company that both streams and helps others stream their own sports what do you not do? Do you put on a cape and fight crime at night? Is that why you stayed up until four a.m.?
0: Well, you know, Logan, the the funny thing is, appreciate you having me today. The funny thing is, I I joke around and I say I chose to get out of IT to not make money in radio. So, uh, you know, when you're when you're in radio, you know how it goes. You got to grind and find out ways to make it happen. But uh, it's a it's a great it's a great place to be, man. I'm I'm happy. I don't know if I fight crime. I'll leave that to the professionals and and are good people throughout the nation that do that, but uh, I fight the radio airwaves. How about that?
1: (laughs) It seems like a fight sometimes, and let's just start quickly. Let's just dive right into it, because um, we're focusing on entrepreneurship within sportscasting. I don't think I know anybody who fits that description better than you do. You started your own business in IT a long time ago, got out of that, and if I understand correctly, used your profits from that to start the entities that I just described earlier, Uh, just walk us through why you have taken this path of kind of the sports casting entrepreneur, as opposed to the corporate path, which I guess you still do a little bit as the uh, uh, voice of Sam Houston state, but why you have such a varied uh, job titles.
0: Well, I think ADD has a lot to do with it, <laughs> to be honest, Logan. But, uh, you know, man, at a, at a young age, I wanted to be in radio. I really did. And I just feel that, you know, when you're in a season, you don't really understand why you're in that season. But I've always held on to the hope that one day I would be able to reach my goals and my dreams. And so I go all the way back to high school, man. I, I got into computers. I loved working with computers. Back in the in the late eighties and nineties, it was an exciting time for technology. Um, you know, I remember when computers were TR, TRS 80, you know, Commodore 64 and screens were black and white. And then they went to four color and then 16 color. So it was exciting, man. The IT world back in the day to me was very exciting because there were so many sweeping changes. Uh, nowadays there's a lot of really cool stuff, but it, it's like if you don't have the internet on a device, it's pointless nowadays. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that back in the late eighties and nineties. Uh, But for me, that's kind of where it all started. I I got into computers in high school. Um, I was very blessed to have a marketing teacher and many teachers. I give credit to our educators. I think that they, many of them may not realize exactly how deep their words and their hearts can go to others, especially young people. And I had a marketing teacher who believed in me. And she told me in high school, she pulled me into her office and she said, Rob, I I really think you should start your own IT business. I don't tell many people this, but I don't think you should go to college because you're going to miss out on an opportunity uh, right now. So as soon as you get out of here, you start that business. And I listened to her. And so I started a, a computer business. Basically, it was doing websites, to be honest, at first. And I quickly lost interest in that because I didn't like sitting behind a desk all day and coding and, but I really enjoyed working with people. And I knew that I, I knew that one day, if I ever got into radio, I would need to learn how to talk and communicate with people. And being an IT, you have to have, you know, if you're a, if you're a business owner in IT, you have to understand how to communicate with people. There's a lot of IT guys, and there's nothing wrong with it, Logan, that sit behind a desk, and they don't ever interact with the public. But if you're an owner of a business, you absolutely have to interact with the public or that business won't be successful. And so I started that, uh, working on websites, did one for a guy in Georgetown, Texas, which is where I grew up. And, and he believed in me and he said, I want to buy, I want to invest in you basically is what he told me. And I didn't really have any assets per se, you know, maybe a computer and a scanner (laughs) that was, that was purchased with business funds. Um, but he invested in me, man. And he believed in me and, he was another big part of my life, a gentleman by the name of David Wolf, who I have tremendous respect for. And we ended up partnering up. Uh, he was kind of a silent partner. He was very gracious in allowing me to be creative. So I ended up turning that web business into a computer repair business that ended up lasting 14 years. You know, I thought for sure that God had a path for me to to be married and have kids by the time I was 25. And you know everyone has this little picture perfect way they want to see things happen right <laughs> and uh, for me though man it was it was going through that grind of 15 years of working in IT nearly 15 years but i learned through that process that customer service is so important communication is important i gained a tremendous amount of business skills not just IT skills uh had incredible employees man i would never have been able to do that if i hadn't had my employees um, but just doors started to open, Logan. Uh, it's the way life goes, man. If you're optimistic and you have a good attitude, I'm a firm believer that doors are always there. It's just sometimes if we're in a negative state of mind, we don't see those doors because we're not thinking, you know, in a positive way. So I think if we remain positive, we'll see those doors. And so went through the journey of 14 years. We were blessed to be named the small business of the year. Uh, once we almost won that award twice. Georgetown's a thriving community. Um, And so that was really awesome to receive that recognition over a lot of national competitors that are now in the area. Um, We were voted the small business of uh, the number one computer repair business in this area, I believe seven times in a row, um, which was very exciting. But again, it's all about the people, man, that worked for me. I couldn't have done it without them. Um, Started dabbling in broadcasting. I had an opportunity to start calling some local high school sports for a company and with me being an entrepreneur and always kind of looking ahead, uh, they were great guys. Don't have anything bad to say about them. In fact, I appreciate what they told me. Um, but I just realized I had to step out on my own, man. And Georgetown wanted, wanted a opportunity to really promote their events. And so I started doing it. Um, you know, I, I, I got into that while I was in the last few years of my IT business. And then my doctor got to a point and he said, Rob, you're going to be in the ground before you're 40. If you don't get out of this business Uh, talking about it. And so I just kept praying about it, man. And eventually I said, I'm going to step out on faith. And I've had a very supportive fiance. Bridget, um, is the love of my life. She has been supportive of me for the past seven years. Hopefully this will be the year that we get married. (laughs) Otherwise, you know, I may not have a fiance anymore, so we got to get married this year, man. But, uh, you know, I, I went through that journey, and I just stepped out completely on faith in 2018. I said, "I'm I'm done with it." I was burnt out. I, I'm very thankful for it, but I was burnt out, man. I just got tired. And with the advice of my doctor, I I just said the stress isn't worth it anymore. I wasn't happy doing what I enjoy, and what I really wanted to do was radio. And everybody told me, Logan. Everybody. I talked to guys that you know were aspiring ESPN broadcasters, and And a lot of really great people. And those guys all told me, they're like, you're going to have a really tough time trying to make a living in broadcasting. But I always am a believer that if you're passionate about something, and when you're passionate and you're really focused, man, it's that zone that you get in. Nobody can deny the zone if you are passionate and you are focused on doing what you love. And so I, I, I stepped out on faith. I sold my IT business. It took about six months. I thought I had a million-dollar company. I wish I did. I learned very quick that uh, you can have a business that has good revenue, but if you're the owner and not paying yourself a whole lot, your business really isn't worth a whole lot. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, that was kind of a shot in the foot in a way, but it, it just, again, it was something else. Instead of me looking at it negatively, I, I was very positive and and was very thankful. It was enough for me to, to basically live on for about a year and a half, maybe two years, while I built up. SHM Sports, which is our sports broadcasting company. Carl Schoning is one of my best friends. He's a brother to me, and he and I – all this kind of happened, Logan. I know it's kind of – I'm kind of going in circles, but all of this broadcasting stuff started happening, you know, the last four to five years when I had my IT company. So kind of going back into 2013, 2014 is when it really when I started to get really focused on it.
1: How did you – let me jump in here. Yeah, sure. How did you develop as a broadcaster while – spending all this time and to the point where you're burning yourself out in your own private business, not related to broadcasting?
0: That's such a great question because broadcasting for me, Logan, was the way that I escaped. I so much looked forward to being able to do high school broadcast because of all the stress of being in the IT world. That was my out. Everybody I think in life has their place, their special place, their quiet place, I guess if you will. My quiet place <laughs> was broadcasting. And so I just was passionate about it. And I did whatever I could to make sure. And that was the one thing I really thought that kind of kept me together. And not going on a, you know, a deep personal level, but there's a lot of folks who struggle with depression. It's a very real thing. Um I battle even to this day, Logan. I'll be I'll be transparent because I think it's important to be transparent. Even to this day, I battle still with with some depression but I'm going to tell you man that when you do what you love those are the things that really help and and help pull you out of those situations so for me yeah man I was I was burnt out I was tired I was depressed um you know even more so than sometimes I get now but I'm going to tell you man broadcasting is that one thing that gets me going that gets me fired up and it's like everything else
1: fades away <laughs> you know man I, I know very much. <laughs> I know that I get frustrated often with, I don't know if I'd go to the point of where I am suffering from depression, but there's a lot of frustration and angst on how things are going to happen and uh, the stress level of trying to play logistics manager and run my equipment all over the Twin Cities metro area. But um, once you get on the air, that all kind of goes away, and it all becomes worth it. So I I do understand that to a degree. I believe... S H N was your first entrepreneurial venture, is that correct?
0: Yeah, outside outside of the IT business. Okay, yeah.
1: So within the sportscasting so, realm, how did you identify that niche and like, hey, there's sportscasters out here, people who want to to do this. I know the technical side of this, while also knowing the broadcasting side of this. There's a unique opportunity to help people while giving myself, uh, a revenue stream, when did you, when and how did you make that connection?
0: Well, for me, man, you know, again, I mentioned earlier about being positive and, and, and when you're positive doors will open and I came across a gentleman, I was at a local place in and just outside of Austin, Texas and uh, round rock, Texas one evening. And I saw a gentleman sitting by himself, uh, looking up at a TV screen at this particular establishment. He was drinking a glass of wine and I went over and I was like, man, that's Bill Shoning, the voice of the Spurs. <laughs> you know, that's uh that's an NBA broadcaster and one of the best and, and a lot of great guys out there, but Bill is definitely one of the top and in, in my book. And I went over and introduced myself, started chatting with him and very humble. Um, as I've came across so many media people, especially in the Austin area, very humble people and Bill is, like I said, one of the best and started chatting with him and told him about my ideas and kind of what I want to do. And it's, it's weird how all this comes full circle because I'd actually got to know his son a little bit, but I never, I never really knew Bill. I never knew his dad at all. And, um, and that kind of helped foster the relationship with, with our broadcasting company, trying to get to figure out how are we going to move things and pieces and all that. And, yeah, it was, it was crazy because I started talking to Bill Shoning and, and Bill told me he's like, you know, it's going to be tough for you. Cause I, I voiced my frustration saying, I'm trying to get to the next level, Bill, but I don't know how to get there because I was applying to radio stations in the Austin area. You know, I would say I'll even come in and sweep the floors. I just want to get into the station, whatever that means. Even if it's coming in and being a cleanup crew, I don't care. I just want to come in and get involved. And a lot of these bigger stations owned by large corporations, you know, there's a process and I understand that, but it's hard to get in with them. And so Bill kind of encouraged me. He's like, do your own thing. And so his son and I actually joined forces, started SHN sports, uh, which is Shoning Hip Network. And that's kind of how it all started. It was a resume builder for me to hopefully get to the next level in broadcasting because I couldn't get a job anywhere. Nobody would give me a job in radio. I mean, you have, no one's going to give you. I mean, you got to earn it. Don't mishear what I'm saying, but uh, I feel, you know, Bill is, Bill was a tremendous part of that because he encouraged me. He said, go do your own thing, build your own resume is basically what I got from he and I's conversations that we've, that we started having. And so Carl and I joined forces. You know, we were, we were actually on our way up to Dallas to call for another company. And I told Carl, I said, why are we doing this, man? Like, we should literally start our own thing because you and I have connections to schools in the area where we've grown up. And so we went up to Dallas, did that game for this other company, came back. It's funny. We were at a little bar in Georgetown, really nice little place, restaurant called Gumbos. And I'll never forget this. And I'm not trying to rip one out of Herb Kelleher's play playbook. And I'm talking about the, you know, the, the founder of Southwest Airlines. But literally, Carl and I were sitting in a bar, uh, at, at a bar top. Carl was sitting to my right. There was a woman to my left. And we had nothing to do with the woman, of course. We were just sitting there. And I literally, on a napkin, wrote out, uh, HSN Sports, Hip Shoning Network. The lady to my left saw it. And ask a question like, oh, what are you guys doing? I said, well, we're thinking about starting a sports broadcasting streaming business. And she she saw the HSN, Logan, she goes, oh, the Home Shopping Network. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we had to flip the letters and that's how SHN became to be, man.
1: What exactly do you do? Explain that for our listeners and uh, how did you decide what services you're going to offer? Because you go beyond kind of offering streaming services. You have Uh, the broadcast equipment in a box. I mean, there's seems to be a lot of elements uh, to what you do. How did you come up with those?
0: Yeah. You know, just being in the industry and and broadcasting for these schools, I realized very quickly that tearing down equipment and, you know, taking it down and putting it back up. I mean, it does damage to wires and stuff over the time. And plus it's a lengthy, it's a lengthy process having to plug in stuff. And so I, I kind of made my own box. I actually, I won't go into this story, but because we did not want to become a production company. I actually ran a drill bit through my finger and had to go to the ER one night trying to build these boxes ourselves. <laughs> so I said, we're not going to be a production company of building manufacturing company, building boxes. Uh, but I built that because I got so tired of having to move around equipment and unplug it and plug it back in. And so that was just born out of our, out of a necessity that we had. And I use that box now for division one sports. When I call for Sam Houston and I still use it for high school sports wherever we go. Um, but that was just born out of necessity. We call it broadcast in a box. And it's just an all-in-one unit that allows you to have basically all of the tools that you need to have a professional uh, broadcast. And so we've been able to, especially through COVID, you know, we started our streaming company way before COVID. Now live streaming is a thing. You know, it's a big deal. Everybody wants to get involved in it. Facebook Live has made everybody a broadcaster to some degree um, wherever they want to do things. But we got into it, you know, we got into the live video stuff kind of as it was in its infancy. You know, we're going back to 2000, what, 2013, 14, really when it was just starting to get well known. And I said, there's got to be a market for this for high school kids. And how can we promote these kids and promote the communities they live in? And that's what we've done with SHN Sports is we really – want others that are interested in broadcasting their kids to provide them a platform and training and equipment, everything that they need to have a successful broadcast.
1: So the second entrepreneurial business that you owned is you started your own online local, you call it a radio station. It's really not a radio station. It's not on terrestrial radio or anything like that. But essentially you started – audio forum for the community of Georgetown that uh, from there, I'm assuming you were able to, to sell and I don't know what other kind of revenue streams that could create, but uh, where did you come up with the idea for that? And then how did you execute it?
0: Well, you know, Georgetown, like I said, is a very unique community. I think that any community that has people who are passionate about what they do in their communities is, 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 is has an opportunity to thrive. Georgetown has had that you know, when I was a kid we had five, six thousand people. I think now there's a hundred thousand people in that community. Uh we have a, a local there was a local community-based radio station. Great company, great guy, but as a community-based radio station, it's a nonprofit. For me as an entrepreneur, I want to be able to promote people and talk about them and not have any restrictions as far as not being able to promote a business. Now, when you're a nonprofit, especially as a local radio station that's a low power FM. Uh, legally you can't have call-to-action advertising. And that's not really the purpose of a of a community-based radio station anyways. It's not for them to generate revenue. It's to provide a service to the community. I wanted to take it a step further, not only provide service to the community, but I also wanted to be able to promote local business and do things a little bit differently on the commercial side. And so I think local low-power FM has their place. What I was doing had my, had had its place, and it still does. So – Going back to when I sold my IT company, I had mentioned earlier, Logan, that, you know, it was enough revenue to live for, you know, a couple of years. Well, that revenue ran out. And I said, what am I going to do, man? And I dabbled in trying to sell insurance. And that was cool. I learned a lot, to be honest. I dabbled in the car industry, learned a lot doing that for a couple of months. But my heart always came back to radio and how am I going to make this work? And so once again, man, I stepped out in faith and launched an online radio station. I said, there's a need for this. And everyone I talked to said, oh, it's not going to work. You know, it's not traditional radio. And that's where I think you got to be careful if you're in the radio business, because that type of thinking can be damaging in the future as technology changes. I think we're going to have a future. I think there's always going to be a place for radio signals and terrestrial FM, AM, whatever you have. But as bandwidth increases, and I'm talking about cell connectivity, we're at 5G now. Eventually, there's going to be... The whole world is going to be blanketed from every single square inch with some type of bandwidth. I think as that technology continues to increase, internet radio is going to, is going to be a major player in the, in the world. You know, traditional radio touches 92% of Americans every week. I think that uh, internet radio now is something like 80% and it's growing. And so I ran out of money. I said, what am I going to do? I stepped out on faith again. I started this internet based radio station combined with digital online, social media promotion, that kind of stuff. And we were blessed, man. It, it, it honestly took off. And we had no idea, Logan, that COVID was going to happen. <laughs> Granted, all this started right before COVID. I'm talking December 2019. Through COVID, we were able to build advertisers. At one point, we had 40 advertisers on our station. Uh, we were averaging 1,500 to 2,000 listeners a month that kind of springboarded into this whole idea for me that internet radio can work. You said something a while ago that internet radio isn't a radio station. And I would say that it will, can it, it is, you know, it is. And it's, it's, you've got to change the way people think. Just as simple as somebody gets in their car and pushes a power button on their radio, Logan, they can do the same thing on their smartphone by tapping an app. And I think it's just we've been so ingrained in our lives. And radio has been a tremendous asset. It really is. I love working in radio and, tra- and traditional radio as well. Um, but it's so ingrained in our minds of how radio works that when we tap the app on our phone, it just doesn't feel the same. But it can be the same. And so when I ran my Internet station, it, it, I wanted to format it just like a radio station. And that's what I did. We, we had sweepers. We had commercial breaks. We had uh, local weather. All that kind of stuff. COVID hit. We were able to ride through that. April comes up, another opportunity for me to purchase a well-known website in our community called HelloGeorgetown.com. Big, big website that had over seventeen thousand followers on Facebook, and it was in the the couple who ran that did a great job. They just wanted to move, and so they actually sold that to me. Everything kind of transitioned uh, during all this process, Logan. I get the call down in Huntsville in East Texas saying, Hey, we want you at the radio station full time now. Cause I was just driving from Georgetown two and a half hours to broadcast division one uh, sports there. And so, I I mean, everything kind of just, I was like, what's going on, man. I even put my house up for sale for a moment in Georgetown. My fiance was like, did not like that, (laughs) but you know, everything kind of worked out. And so, Ended up having uh, Hip Radio Network, purchased Hello Georgetown, got the job in Huntsville in East Texas, which I've always wanted to work full time in radio. And I suddenly realized, dude, I've got so much going on. How am I going to handle all this? And so what happened was Hip Radio Network Georgetown transitioned into Hello Georgetown Radio, which we recently launched, and I've rebranded Hip Radio Network as a platform to help other people launch their own community internet radio stations in you know their own internet radio stations in their community. So that's kind of how everything happened. 2020 was crazy, man.
1: <laughs> it sure sounds like it. I've seen quite a few people try to do their own online radio stations and most of them were not very good. But I was always curious how how do you land the rights to be able to play music from ASCAP and BMI? How do you, how do you come up with content to fill that much time? Let's just start there. I have other questions, but um, let's not make it like a tenfold question here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, how do you find music rights and how do you find enough content to fill that much time 24 seven?
0: I mean, there's a process in how everything works. Um, if, That was a big thing for me is how am I going to get the music rights? And you basically reach out to the pros is what they're called directly. ASCAP, CSEC, BMI, uh, and SoundExchange. Those are the four ones that you have to pay. Uh, There's other services now. We've actually transitioned to a service called Live 365 that handles all of that for us now. And so when I rebranded from Hip Radio Network Georgetown to Hello Georgetown Radio, I ended up moving that platform over to Live365, and it it actually made it a lot easier because I don't have to deal with the licensing and the reporting because Live365 handles that now. Um, community radio works or Internet radio works if you keep it local. And so I put out surveys in Georgetown asking people what they like to listen to and what would they like to hear. And you get the feedback from your local community. I mean, people, that's the reason I think, Logan, that a lot of internet radio is not successful, because anybody can just load up a playlist and play music. But what's going to make yours unique? What's going to make it unique is being hyper-focused on your community and selling it as something that's local. That's what makes it work. You know, being in the radio industry, just learned how to to be involved and and talking to people and doing all that and all of those components came together and it really works if you keep it local.
1: How did you develop the sales acumen to be able to pull off a, basically a local online radio station?
0: Uh, It's a good question. I mean, it's, it's like anything in business. You have to test the market. Uh, Traditional radio depending on where you're at can be expensive you know like in some of the markets people are paying 150 bucks a spot in other markets they may pay only 20 or 15 dollars a spot i knew that it was going to be a tough sell for me to try to sell somebody at 20 30 bucks a spot especially with a startup and especially with internet radio because i've got to train people to change the way they think like i talked about earlier uh, about how to approach radio Um, so for me i made it really affordable i kept it so easy. And this, and and Logan, granted, this was before I got involved working for an actual radio station, you know, as far as in the day-to-day operations like I do now at KSAM. Um, So I I didn't have any prior experience on how to run traffic, how to do copy, how to do, I had to learn all that on my own and just researching and doing things. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I did to make it successful is I didn't follow traditional radio. If I would have, it would have been a nightmare, to be honest. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but there's so many components in traditional radio that I think need to be cleaned up and made a lot more simple. Trafficking systems are ridiculous. Um, The way that some of these trafficking systems work. I'm. Why does it have to be this complicated? Just make it easy. So my ad packages for my internet radio, I made it super simple. Five spots a day, seven days a week, three-month commitment. Here's your monthly price. Made it so easy to sell because I didn't have a million options. And I just gave people, here's how it works. And people bought on it. We started out selling packages for 50 bucks a month, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, as we continue to grow and mature, we were able to eventually up that rate, uh, in some cases, to $300 a month.
1: How did you target potential sponsors? Did you just knock on doors? Did you make phone calls with COVID? How did that affect it?
0: Being involved in networking groups is extremely important. I tell anybody in business, Especially if you're going to go into business, you need to be a member of your local chamber of commerce. Um, you need to give back to your community, not to say, look at me, I'm giving back, but because that's what we're called to do is to give back in life. Um, and those things ultimately transition into fostering and building relationships with people. People will do business, Logan, with those that they like and trust and know. If, you, if, if somebody likes you, if somebody knows you and somebody trusts you, you have a really good chance at doing business with them. And so if you build those three components in and you work hard to achieve that, you know, it's not that difficult. You just have to be involved, man. I think a lot of business owners will step back and they just expect things to come to them. And that's not the way it works. You have to go out and get things. You know, you can't lay on the couch and expect bills to get paid. You've got to get up and get off that couch and go talk to people and make do your job. So being involved in a local chamber of commerce, I always tell people that's the number one thing you've got to be involved in because there are people in that chamber that will help you, that will encourage you, that will build you up and connect you. And then being in a service organization, I've been a Rotarian now for almost 20 years. The Rotary Club has taught me a lot of valuable life lessons. Um, it's taught me a lot about business, but the biggest thing that it's taught me is how to give back and how to make an impact in your community that's meaningful. Um, you do those things, man, and life really isn't, too bad. If you can just focus on doing what you do best, which is following your passion and giving back to others, and that's how you know that's how I got people to, to to buy our ad packages. Is I just built up that trust with people and got involved in a chamber, even during COVID. I mean, we had a lot of virtual events. We promoted a lot of COVID information that the public wanted to hear. We were, you know, we did a video aspect, even though we were an internet radio audio station. Our social media page, we quickly built that to nearly 3000 followers. And we were covering a lot of COVID stuff with video, all of that together kind of make makes it work. And I realized Logan through that I said, man, we can expand this and give other guys an opportunity to build their own internet radio stations in their communities. But they're going to have to follow the process of how we did things to make it successful. You can't just go play music and expect people to listen. And you've got to keep it local. And you have to keep it interesting for the community. People in a community want to be involved. And if you keep your internet station that way, I think that they will be.
1: How did you promote it and get it in front of people? Because people want local content on a traditional radio dial. You know what? There's only so many frequencies. People can stumble on it accidentally. With what you're doing, people have to go there on purpose. They have to find it through some sort of outlet, probably social media. But Not everyone has social media. How did you promote and gain an audience from scratch?
0: You would, you would, you would, you'd be surprised at how effective press releases are. Uh, Press releases (laughs) give you a lot of free advertising. Um, paper media. I get really discouraged when I hear people putting down newspapers. I think newspapers are still a tremendous asset to any community, especially local communities. And I also think that there is a separation between radio and paper. And a lot of radio stations and newspapers, for whatever reason, they don't have relationships. I think it's very important for those two entities to have a relationship. We've worked really hard in Huntsville to cultivate a very uh, a very good relationship with our local newspaper. And I promote them because they do a great job. Print media has its place. And so um, what was your question? Sorry, man. My ADD was kicking in.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you how did you promote what you how were we doing? Promote it?
0: Yeah. So that's why I brought it. Yeah, thanks, man. That's why I brought up newspaper is because we put out press releases. And our local paper in Georgetown picked up the press release, and they wrote a story on what we were doing. And that helped get the fire started. And then we used Facebook and did a lot of paid promotion on Facebook. Uh, encourage people to like our page. So using social media helped out a lot. Um, going around town, I was handing out business cards to people with the QR code. Hey, scan this, download our app. You can listen. Um, encouraging businesses to play the station in their place of business because that's more ears that are on it. You know, at a automotive shop waiting room, uh, maybe a department store, a local mom and pop department type store. Um, but just going out there and meeting people and promoting it that way really worked out really well. But social media and newspaper were our biggest catalyst to get things going.
1: That's interesting. Just because uh, you don't know this, but I have a partnership with our local newspaper in Lakeville, Minnesota, where I get, we just do a trade. I get yep. an ad in the paper. They get an ad in every broadcast I do. Usually they get more than one, but, uh, it, uh, it was a nice partnership and I agree a hundred percent on, uh, on what you just said.
0: Yeah, I think it's critical. And it's so funny you mentioned that because we had kind of a, you know, a gentleman's handshake. That's what I still like about small town. Well, Georgetown now is not, I don't see it as a small town. I don't see, you know, 75, 100,000 people as a small town. I see 5,000 people as a small town. Now to all the new people that are moving to the Georgetown community, they think it's small. I don't. I think it's huge. Um, but you can have a gentleman's handshake in some communities and we didn't have an official agreement, but we just kind of had a handshake deal to where if you guys can mention us in the paper, we'll mention you on the air. And that's what we did.
1: It's interesting, this conversation, because usually there's kind of a nice linear path to follow on this podcast when talking to people. And yours kind of goes in a whole bunch of different directions. There's no obvious order of operations, so to speak. But uh, I think I want to dive in a little bit now into how you ended up with this Sam Houston State Division One position, because uh, that was always kind of your goal if I understand right on why you're uh, trying to do all these entrepreneurial opportunities is that so you could eventually land a division one job and make a living at the same time without having to be in it. How did you end up coming up with the strategy to link yourself with someone two and a half hours away and make it work?
0: Man, you know, again, it's all about relationships, Logan. It all started for me back with a morning show. And that, you know, kind of going quickly back to Hip Radio Network, I had launched a morning show called Good Morning Georgetown as well. And that really helped to bring people in and an audience because we talked a lot about what was going on in the community. Well, through that morning show that I did with a really good friend of mine named Ken Covington, he owns a guitar shop back in Georgetown, great guy. Uh, I, I call him Salt of the Earth. There's those people that are Salt of the Earth. Ken is one of those Salt of the Earth guys. But he and I started this morning show together. the The local Division three college that's in Georgetown, Southwestern University. He came on our show. I didn't. I didn't invite him. He he asked, "Can I come on your show?" I said, "Man, I would love to have you on our show." They were working with another organization, and out of respect for that other organization, I never approached the university asking them, "Hey, can we broadcast for you?" They actually had asked me. At the end of that show, you know, we were talking and they said, we would we'd be interested in having you come broadcast our football games. And that intrigued me because it was college and I'd been doing high school stuff and I love our local high school and our kids. And and I I wanted to continue to do that. But I said, man, this is an opportunity to get involved with the college, you know, Division three, which is a great opportunity to kind of get your foot in the door in that realm with the NCAA. And so kind of fast forward and eventually became the voice of the Southwestern Pirates for a year you know, I, I, I just really enjoyed it, man. I think like, I keep going back to talking about being passionate when you're passionate. I think people see that and they understand that. And it, your passion and whatever you do fuels other people with what you do, Logan, and this podcast, you're fueling other people, man, what you're, what you love to do helps give people energy. <laughs> you know, I love listening to what you do. You do some incredible work. It drives me to want to work harder and do more. Um, but yeah, that whole that whole situation led to broadcasting for Southwestern and I started to really think, man, this is great, you know. I what if I could get like a job at the university broadcasting all of their sports. Um but I didn't have that opportunity and at the Division 3 level it's great, but it's you can't make a living just doing, you know, one or two sports. So I still at that time I still had some other things going on and it it was kind of a tough journey trying to figure out what to do next, but I thought I'm just going to keep doing this and see where it leads through another contact of mine, a guy that lives in, in, uh, the Austin area. He reached out to me saying, Hey, there may be an o- opportunity at division one school. You need to look into this. I didn't think anything of it. Logan, to be honest, I said, man, there is no way I'm going to get a division one. I've always been confident in what I do, but I've also kind of been a realist. It's like telling a guy that's four feet that he can dunk a basketball. That just isn't going to happen. You got to be real. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I, they told me about this. He told me about this opportunity and, and and then another guy had mentioned it. And I said, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to get a division one gig because I've only been doing, you know, college stuff for about a year, year and a half or so. I had done some division two baseball. Um, I had also worked as public address announcer a couple of times for the NBA G league. I did some sideline reporting for those guys as well, but I just didn't think there was any chance that I would be able to get a division one job. And I think it came down to literally like the last day where I finally, I called, I called the manager at the, at KSAM at the time. Um And he's, this gentleman's no longer there, but I called this gentleman and he said, and I'm forever grateful to him, by the way, because without him, I would have, you know, I, he gave me the opportunity to kind of pursue this next dream of mine to be in division one. But when I first called, he said, well, I've got a stack of about 15 of them talking about resumes. I've got a stack of about 15. Send it over. I'll put you in the middle. You know, something kind of like that. It wasn't like he was being rude at all, but it, I could tell that he had a lot going on. And I just thought, oh, great. You know, there's no way. So I'm in the middle. I'm I'm literally, you fast forward a couple of weeks and I, I'm in the middle of, uh, well, let me, let me step back, Logan. Sorry. It's the ADD kicking in. I said, how am I going to stand out with my resume? What's going to help me to stand out with these? Because he just said there's a stack of like 15 other ones that he's going through. How am I going to stand out? So when I did my resume, I actually used a video email service to where I can track when people watch the video that you put <laughs> in an email. And I did a video kind of welcome message uh, saying, hey, uh, my name is Rob, blah, blah, blah. Just wanted to put a face behind the voice. I would be grateful for this opportunity. And I figured if I could do that, maybe that would help me stand out from the other 15 candidates, 14 candidates or however many they were. That video, I don't know if it ever did. I don't know if that was the deciding factor, but I can't say that I went back and looked at the view count and that thing was watched like 30 or 40 times. So someone was clicking on it, watching it <laughs> and it wasn't public. It was within that email that I'd sent to them. So yeah, kind of fast forward. I'm in, I, you know, by this time I'd sold my IT business, I was trying to go all in and broadcasting. I'm in the middle of financial stress, figuring out, Oh man, am I going to lose my house? You know, cause now it's getting stuff's getting real. I'm not, I don't have income coming in. I've ran out of money from selling my IT business. My other ventures are producing a little bit of capital, but it's still not that much. I'm in the middle of selling insurance and I get a call in Dallas while I'm in insurance training saying, uh, Hey, this is so-and-so with K Sam. How would you like to be the new voice of the Bearcats? And my jaw dropped. I'm like, are you kidding me? And college football, by the way, Logan was about to start like three weeks from that point. And I said, yes, I will be, I will be there now during, during all of this, just to kind of backtrack, cause I don't, I know I seem like I'm all over the place. I don't want to misguide your listeners during the middle all, of all of this. At this point, I hadn't started hip radio network yet. That's why I was running out of money, man. I was, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do, but I was keeping the, my ears open. Um, I ended up, you know, going, accepting that gig. At the time, it was just a part-time job. It it wasn't, it was just me calling football for Sam Houston. That's why I still had to have other revenue coming in. You know, I couldn't make it just calling football. But yeah, I was in the middle of doing that, trying to sell insurance. I was in insurance training. I get the call and immediately in my mind, I made the decision. I felt bad because the guy who got me involved in the insurance stuff, great guy, taught me a lot about sales. But I felt, I did feel bad though, because, as soon as I got that call, I knew that I would not be selling insurance anymore. <laughs> and I was in the middle of training, like just getting started. So I was like, man, I don't want to let this guy down, but I don't want to give up on my dreams and my passion. And I thought at one point, maybe I could make all that work because I, I knew that I still needed to have some sort of income coming in. But, you know, long story short, it, it didn't work out. And that's eventually why I started Hip Radio Network. And then all roads eventually led to me in uh back in, I guess it was in, June getting a call at K Sam had a new manager and they wanted me to work full-time at the station. Uh, Then I got that call last year in June and they said, what do we got to do to get you here? And, and I said, well, here's, here's what I can try to do to make it work. So yeah, man, it's, I know my story is kind of all over the place, but it's really hard to find a straight and narrow path because all of these ventures and everything, have led to where I'm at now. And I want to tell, I I do want to mention this, Logan, because somebody told me, because I've started a lot of things. I mean, there's much more we could talk about. (laughs) I've started a lot of things that that didn't pan out to be what some would see successful. Even a guy told me, he goes, man, you've got a history of like starting things and then just kind of putting them on hold or giving up on them. And he didn't say that rudely, but I challenged him because I said, actually – All the things that I've started have led to something else. And I said, I don't want that message to people that are, and especially, you know, there may be someone in your podcast right now that's listening, Logan, that's like, I'm in the same boat. I'm starting stuff and I feel like I'm failing. Well, guess what? Nothing that you do, especially related to business, don't ever see it as a failure because it will ultimately lead to everything else. Everything that I've ever started, I can definitively go back and tell you. Here's why that happened. Now I see it and understand it. And here's how it's benefited me now.
1: What is the biggest mistake you've made trying to run your own business at, uh, in the broadcasting realm?
0: Saying yes to everyone. I think that you have to be careful, especially when you're starting out. You want to say yes to everybody. Um, I've learned, especially over the past, Well, since I started working full-time at KSAM, it's been very difficult to say uh, yes to everything now. You have to be able to understand that it's okay to say no, because if you commit to everything, you can't do everything. So that is the biggest mistake that I made. And I still struggle with that a little bit, Logan. It's not as bad, I'll be honest. But you've got to learn to say no and understand that people really aren't going to get upset. That was my biggest fear because I like for people to be happy and you know, but you can't please everybody and you can't say yes to everything.
1: How did you figure out a successful way to prioritize your time piggybacking on what you're saying, what you say yes to, what you say no to? Uh, I know one of the things I'm reevaluating for next year is how much time I spend on things like social media and writing out invoices and some of the organizational stuff that I think I might try to hire someone for, even if I don't necessarily have the money for it, uh, that'll give me more time to do things that actually make money. How do you decide what you're going to do and what's worthwhile?
0: Well, you know, I'm going to be transparent with you i said that earlier i'm always transparent and honest with people. i think you've got to be honest with people to be real with people i still struggle with that logan i don't think that any entrepreneur has really mastered the art and there's books out there that tell you how to do it <laughs> but you know what those books have made those guys money maybe not the process but the books have made the money you got to be careful about some of that stuff um i won't go into it but i had a quote unquote business coach back in it, tell me that I needed to schedule every single thing out. And I said, well, dude, what if a guy's computer breaks at a business and you're telling me that I've, I've got to like do this exactly at this time. He goes, well, you just got to drop that and go to the next job. I said, dude, it don't work that way in it. You can't just drop it and go to the next one. Um, I think to answer your question, you know, truthfully, the first and foremost, it's something that I still struggle with, to be honest. But secondly, setting some type of a schedule that has flexibility does work. I'm not discrediting setting a schedule. So don't don't mishear what I'm saying. But you need to set a realistic schedule, a schedule that has flexibility. And so what I do every day is, you know, usually at 7 a.m. I will start to lay out my day every morning for the first 15 minutes. Doesn't take much time, but I will go through and lay out my day for the first 15 minutes of the day. I will kind of say, here's what I've got to do today. How am I going to get it done? Then looking at a calendar, I block off certain times. I make sure to block off time for lunch and I try hard to never take away that lunch time with business work. Sometimes you have to, but I try to leave that open because everybody needs to be able to kind of clear their mind. But I think getting a schedule and sticking to a flexible schedule is very important. You can't can't put down things so static that it stresses you out to where it's like, oh man, two o'clock's coming up and it's, you know, it's one and I've got to hurry up and get this done. You can't, you've got to leave some flexibility, man.
1: Speaking of flexibility and you touched on this a little bit with, you know, one of your things you started leading, always leading to something else. When do you know is the time to pivot and try something else?
0: Uh, for me, man, it's just, you know, I'm not going to go on a religious tangent, but for me, it's, I pray about a lot of things, Logan. I truly do. And when I'm at peace with something, I take that as that it's time to go ahead and do this. I have learned in my life that if your gut tells you something, you need to listen to that gut. And that all goes back to me saying yes to everything. There's been times in my life where my gut has told me, no, do not do this. And guess what, man? I went against it and I said yes. And it's came back to bite me in the tail. It's happened on two business sides of things before. Um I think a lot of it is just knowing, you know, when you're at peace with something, most people do. If you, and you're going to have questions though, you're going to have doubts, you're going to have questions, but I think if you can make a list and I've done this Logan, this is another way that I do things. If you make a list of the pros and the cons, it sounds simple, but it's so true. Do the pros outweigh the cons with this idea? And you really have to be true to yourself, and truthful about what you're writing down as far as pros and cons. You can't go into a situation wanting to do something just thinking, "Okay, man, I got to think of all these things that are positive versus the negative so it, so I can do it." You have to be truthful about yourself and how you how you list it.
1: What are examples of things you've had to learn to say no to?
0: Um scheduling things, uh, you know, um I've had people like this, you know, reaching out to an interview. I definitely I wanted to chat with you. I, I, I enjoy the work that you do, but, um, there's been times where people have wanted to talk to me, you know, Hey, I'm only available tomorrow. Do you have 15 minutes to chat? And it, as much as I, I hate to say no or I hate to say, you know, I don't like telling people no, but I've had to, I've had people that wanted to interview me and I've, you know, I've got a game coming up in the next like six hours and I've got to prepare for that game. So. That's one thing is just you can't commit to everyone. I've had people reach out to me wanting me to MC events for them that I've had to say no to, which I really hated to do that. Um, I've had companies reach out, schools that have wanted us to broadcast for them. And I knew in my gut and the discernment that we don't have the resources to do this <laughs> at this time. That doesn't mean that we're not going to do it down the road, but I have to be real and honest with people. And. In business, that's tough, Logan, because you may have you may have someone reach out to you saying, hey, I want you to do this for us. And you hate to say no, because if you say no, that could break that relationship. But I think if you come across saying, hey, we can't right now just because of our limited resources. But I appreciate the fact that you've called us and that you see something good in what we're doing and we want to bring that good to your school. Could we touch base in a few months, maybe when we've got things a little bit more drawn out? And that has ultimately led to some relationships with schools. Us telling them no at first, six months later, a year later, has turned into a very healthy relationship.
1: What is the best and worst part of being an entrepreneur in the sportscasting field? The best
0: part for me is doing what you love. Um, it's, it's, it's being able to interact with people. It's being able to travel. Logan, I have met so many people in the broadcasting world that say they despise having to drive and travel. I think if that is your attitude in this industry, you don't need to be in it. I think that if you ever get to a point in this industry that you don't want to be on the air, you don't want to cover, you don't need to be in it because that does a disservice to not only the athletes that you're covering, which is the most important aspect of it, but it does a disservice to the community and to those that are listening as well. I love talking to people. I love being around people. I love sharing stories. More so, I love hearing stories. I love listening to people and what they have and how they got to where they're at. Those are the things that I really enjoy. Things that I don't enjoy? Man, I'll be honest with you, Logan, and I again, I'm being I'm being honest. I have not found one thing definitively that I can say that I don't enjoy about this business. Maybe um, not eating healthy. (laughs) I don't know, man, (laughs) you know, um, it's, it's hard to eat healthy when you're on the road and driving and you got so many other things. It's so easy to go pick up a burger. I mean, you know, I, I had a, I had a really bad scare last year. Um, in fact, in, uh, January of 2020, I was on my way back from Louisiana and immediately felt like somebody was punching me in the gut and it ended up being a very mild case of pancreatitis. I had no idea what that was, um, I ended up not being able to eat for almost two months, like uh, actual solid foods. I had to go on a liquid diet for like three weeks. Luckily I didn't have to go to the hospital. That was a wake up call, man, because I was 240 pounds. People couldn't see it. Cause I guess I did a good job sucking it in. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was feeling pretty rough, man. And that alone forced me to start eating a lot better. And I ended up dropping 35 pounds and felt the best that I ever felt in my life. Now all that's over. You fast forward and we go through COVID and we're locked up and all. I started eating bad again. So I've put on about 20 more pounds (laughs) and I need to, I need to get it back down, Logan. So yeah, that's the one bad thing is just the dieting. You need to take care of yourself. You need to make sure that you exercise being in this industry. It's very tough to do those things, but, and especially through COVID, but if you're traveling with a team, and you're staying at a hotel with the team, guess what? You can use the exercise room. Go use it. Go on a walk. Our football coach at Sam Houston, I would interview at last. We didn't do it this year, of course. Uh, we're we're actually just starting football coming up on Saturday, if you can believe that. Um, but last year when we were traveling with the team, uh, our head football coach for Sam Houston, he after, after I'd interview him, or sometimes when I would interview him, because we'd do it after the team dinner, he would be in gym shorts and running shoes. He would go out and take a run, you know, there in whatever town we were staying in. So I think you've gotta you've gotta wiggle you've gotta make sure that you got some wiggle room to take care of yourself because that's the one thing that people neglect and I do, I'm horrible, is not taking care of ourselves. That is one thing that I will say is the negative, is you've got to make sure you find time to take care of yourself. I need to do a better
1: job of that. I can tell you what, uh I really enjoy the the aspect of not having a boss breathing down my neck and uh the freedom to do what I want, but it becomes really frustrating. I, I know there was one night where I had a nice night set up with my wife. We were gonna go out, and then all of a sudden, broadcaster calls in sick. All right, sorry, cancel everything. Got to go do the game. So yeah, um,
0: that that is you know you mentioned something, and I want to make sure that I mention this because I will get in a lot of trouble after the fact if I don't. That has been one of the toughest parts of being in this industry. is being in a relationship especially with someone you love so much my fiance i love her dearly she has put up with a lot and that is the one thing that does get me a little bummed out sometimes is a lot of what we plan and do has to be planned around my schedule and i don't want things to always be about me it needs to be 50-50 you know in a relationship um that is the one thing that's tough um but luckily she supports me and she she is passionate about me being passionate about what I want to do. She knows that I've worked my entire life to get to this point. And, a, and I'll be honest, man, I i would I would love nothing more than, you know, if I if I was at Sam the rest of my life, I'd be perfectly happy. But, you know, if I got a phone call to to go to a power five school or even professional, I wouldn't I you know, you've got to explore those opportunities. But I have someone in my life that is very understanding And I'm thankful for that. But it it has been very tough. That is one of the very few negative things in the industry is that it can be extremely taxing on relationships. And you have to communicate with your significant other frequently about what's going on.
1: If someone was going to come up to you and say, hey, I'm thinking of uh, starting my own business within the sports broadcasting realm, what would your first and number one piece of advice that you would give be?
0: how passionate are you about this? I've had people ask me that before, and I ask how passionate are you and why do you want to do this? And I think that's extremely critical because some people may want to start a business because they want to make money. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to start a business in radio to make money, you may want to look for another business. I've, I heard that from everybody, Logan, growing up, and especially when I leapt off into it, I heard that from so many people, but it's the truth. Um, I I... I want to help people who are passionate about being in this industry, if that's the road that they want to take. I mean, I'll help people with whatever they want, but if they want to go into the radio business, they want to go into sports broadcasting. First and foremost, I want to know how passionate they are. Secondly, I want to know how committed they are. Passion and commitment kind of go together. And the third thing is, is why are they doing it? Why do they want to do it? And the answers that I like to hear, and everybody's going to have an answer, but the answers that Really pique my interest is when somebody says, I want to be able to tell a story about a kid. I want to be able to relay uh, a story to about an athlete to the listener. Those are the kind of thing. That's why we're broadcasters. We're not, we're not in this industry to promote ourselves and say, Hey, go follow me on Twitter and like me on Facebook, even though those things are okay because we do need to build a brand of what we're doing. But at the end of the day, this isn't about us. And you know, this Logan, it's not about us. It's about those that are around us, and how can we lift and encourage and, and build people up that we're broadcasting for. And I think if people get into this industry, especially young people, trying to make a name for them, their their mindset is completely wrong. We're not in this industry for us. We're in this industry to bless others and to lift others up.
1: Take a second to uh, plug your services that sportscasters might be interested in, your SHN Sports Your, I don't remember the exact name because you changed it, but your hip uh, online radio consulting. Uh, How would somebody work with you on something like that?
0: Yeah, man. I mean, people can always reach out to me by email. It's just my name, robhipp at gmail.com, R O B H I P P at gmail.com. There may be somebody listening right now that says, I want to get into sports broadcasting. Where do I start? Well, Carl and I are actually building within SHN Sports some opportunities for educational components to teach people how to broadcast. And I'm not talking about, you know, just anybody. We we've got some really great guys in the industry and I'm not downplaying anybody else, but I'm, I'm just saying that we've got some seasoned veterans in the industry that are helping to provide content and we're hoping to roll that out very soon. So we're going to have an educational component to teach people how to broadcast from veterans that have been at the professional level, um, that's all done through SHN sports. Maybe you're already doing that at the high school level. You're on your own, but you want to generate more revenue. You want to learn how to take your broadcast to the next level. We can do that at SHN. That's part of what we do is we consult with people. We're not trying to take over your video stream. We want you to run your business. We just want to be that nice, friendly smile and voice on the background. If you need us and that's what we do. Maybe there's somebody out there that says, Hey, I like the idea of You know, I want to start my own internet radio station. I don't know where to get started. We can help with those services as well through HIP Radio Network. And that's what I do now is providing consultation services, the cloud platform. You don't have to have a big automation system. You don't have to have a $200,000 tower in your backyard with red lights on it. Uh, We can do all that through the internet, and I can guide people through that process. So people can just email me, Logan. That's the best way. It's just robhip at gmail.com.
1: All right, Rob, thanks so much for taking some time to come on the show. Again, we are visiting with Rob Hipp. He is the sports director at KSAM in Huntsville, Texas, the voice of Sam Houston State, and about 17 other titles. You're like the Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, where there's just so many titles that uh, I don't even know where to start.
0: I mean, I wake up and don't know where to start sometimes, Logan, but hey, I want to commend you. You do such great work, and you know, the power of the Internet has been incredible because we're able to make so many friends through the Internet. You know, I've I've became friends with you, of course, online. I'm, I hope that I'm blessed enough to meet you one day. I know that we're in a talent agency group together and maybe we'll see each other face to face, um, you know, through through some of those events down the road. But uh, I appreciate you. Keep up the great work, man. And one thing that I wanted to leave your listeners with, I always sign off on a broadcast with this phrase and it means so much to me because I want it to mean something to other people. But I always say that we're not strong enough alone to make it on our own. We need each other. Provide a word of encouragement. Lend a hand of support. Somebody out there needs you. That's it, Logan. I appreciate you, man.
1: This has been the Say the Damn Score podcast. Thanks again to Rob Hip, the voice of Sam Houston State and broadcast entrepreneur who does things a little bit differently than everybody else and I think that that for lack of a better word makes all the difference in why he's had the success he has recently thanks again so much for being patient with me as I got everything ready to finally bring this podcast back thanks to Rob for especially for not wondering where the heck his interview went after doing this almost a year ago but Uh, If you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app happens to be. Make sure to follow us on social media and to visit our website, com.